Hello and thank you for being here with me. Welcome to another episode of the Tyra Raymond Poet Show. Well, I have been looking forward to this. Today we have Musarat Rahman on the show to share her story. Musarat is an artist and experiments across the board of creative arts, including 2D and 3D art using reclaimed materials. Musarat has been a practicing artist for at least 20 years and initially started off as a textile student and gradually expanded on her delivery of the art spectrum through self-learning and becoming self-taught. Having more than 15 years experience in delivering creative, innovative and engaging workshops with a variety of community, voluntary and professional organisations funded by Near Neighbours, TPCT and various other funding bodies. She is a volunteer and avid member of Baizan, a refugee and asylum support group in Bradford. Musara is also a trained Reiki practitioner. Musarat's writing and poetry reflects current themes about life, social issues, love, passion and spirituality. Her South Asian heritage and roots are a big factor in how she identifies with life. The environment and the places she's visited with the world issues around her inspire her to write and inform her choices and how she translates what she's experienced and expresses this into words and art. She's recently come back into writing poetry as she was a closet poet. She was very private, but now she's more comfortable in reading her work publicly. She's done some great work in Bradford for other poets too, which we will talk about. And she likes poetry with sound, music and other languages at the moment. For her, this is another avenue to explore. So let's dive in and hear her first poem. The Embrace. The sounds of nature surrounds me. Birds tweeted in a myriad of sound. The gust of wind shakes the trees with a might. I can hear the howling rain as it crashes and sleeps against the window panes. Nature in its ultimate best. Speaks to me with an ele- elemental power, unfamiliar to those whose nature is not wild and free. I can hear the voices carried by the winds. Sounds that are incomprehensible to human thoughts. As they whirl and dance through the wild winds and the crashing branches in the trees. I am one of the wild folk born into humanity with the ability to speak to the trees, the flora and the fauna. Seeing the invisible worlds that exist between humans, I can walk these passageways that my inner self knows that no human can cross. I am intertwined with the elemental kingdom, born wild and free. Destined to be a dragon rider, a freedom fighter, the wild folk, the last of my kind and kin. Seeding the earth with a new destiny, with illumination. Armed with my swords of truth and destiny, marked by the power born from my own soul. I carry the seal of divine illumination in its depth of untouched pure power, blazing with a radiance so powerful, it will blind those who seek to undermine the truth. Leaving you in a subliminal space, swimming against the tides of illusion, whilst the world turns its face towards a brighter future. Encapsulated in the dances of dreams, of freedom and flights of illumination. Birthed by the light of your own soul and higher calling, which comes to greet you with open arms. 
Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for opening with this um, beautiful poem, Sarah. And um, most of all, um, welcome to the show. A, a very powerful poem. Uh, we've got themes of spirituality, um, love, and also a very powerful personal story in that poem. Um, would you? Well, I do believe that we're all divine in essence, and it's always been part mm -hmm. of, of me, the makeup of me. Believe that. Mm -hmm come from we're all connected on some level so we've all got connection really matter where you're from you recognize a soul so i don't think you need mm. as you can see you just get a sense or a, a feeling about a person and you know what you know that you've known them before absolutely I and i think in all yeah and i think in all the great work that you do which we're going to come on to uh, you definitely demonstrate this idea uh, but before we come on to that um you were a textile student but before this um experience of when you uh, started this whole uh, journey what was the lead up to becoming a textile student i think truthfully i actually switched to become a textile student because i was doing graphic design and then mm -hmm. i at the time when i was studying to be to do textiles i was actually working across different practices i loved weaving i absolutely loved it so what i did I combined my mm. print with my textiles and my weaving. So I combined them, the modalities. And I used to actually make my own yarn as well. So I don't know. I switched. Wow. I did try to make more designs. But I think I've gone through different things that I've really enjoyed making. And that was part and part of me in the past, to be honest. But to this day, I've still got a love mm. for weaving. I loved it. Well, there's clearly a part of you which, um, you know, you say um, self-learnt. And I think that's quite powerful because um, and important in, uh, you know, self-development. Do you want to tell me a bit more about being self-taught and self-learning? I think I've tried to uh, work across different practices, looking at qualities and teaching in the arts. Mm -hmm. I went to college yeah. looking wasn't interested in being a sheep so I just thought do you know mm -hmm. what don't know what you left and I decided to go get the experience mm -hmm. now from the things I've yeah. done from going into textiles and going to do backdrop in theatre I actually went to work on site for a site specific installation which I stayed there mm -hmm. for six months it's taught me a lot it's mm -hmm. taught me a lot about myself um, and it's taught me lots of other things as well mm -hmm. that the change sport own experiences yeah exactly and that's um that takes a lot of courage as well you know to say um i'm not going to be a sheep and i'm going to go and look for my own um calling and journey and um clearly you do a lot in the local community a lot of work great work um and you're involved with many different kind of organizations um working with uh, refugee and asylum seeker communities um for over 10 years tell me more about this work because i know this roots from um you know your south asian heritage um do you want to give me a bit more information on these projects yeah, well I, I actually i i've been in different uh, places where i've learned about teaching and i used to do a bit at halifax college i started working with disabled students and doing a bit of teaching and then from there, mm -hmm. I went into different practices. I ended up falling into Biosan because I came from a different job and then I stayed. And then I set up loads of community projects where I'd bring in different artists. And then we've mm -hmm. ended up networking it. Well, in the time that I've been there, it's changed and we've got so many different people now. We've found different practices for people to engage in. It's garden, from gardening to arts and crafts to day trips to residentials and so many different things to so keep them busy. 
and writing projects as mm -hmm. well. It's not just me as in one of the artists, there's quite a few of us, but we've got about 40 volunteers. So we all take different roles in what we can do and what we can offer. Mine it's because I'm younger mm -hmm. and I've got, I can do more activities. So I learn tend to lead on the activities, truthfully. Mm -hmm. We've done some really good projects. Um, we've mm -hmm. highlight a lot of uh, injustices and uh, it's also, we lead a community on things that are most, not just with back, done for Bapa Festival, we've done a lot of social projects, what people have been interested in. So we've turned them and shipped them mm -hmm. into projects where people can add things. Um, so it's been a community-led initiative is the right word for it. So people are adding their bit to it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, of course it does. Um, and do you, Yeah, sorry, go on. I've learned a lot from Biosan as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you must have, because obviously you're demonstrating it in your work and the poetry which we're going to come on to later. Um, so what's a typical workshop like? So obviously in the delivering, um, you know, um, creative arts, innovating workshops, do you want to run me through a typical workshop? Uh, well, what we do is, um, I, it depends on how many people we're engaging for and who we're doing it for. So if it were by Sam, normally we'll do it up to about 15 to 30 people. We keep the workshop open so people can drop in and out. Um, we have a pile of materials and then we start off uh, asking people what they are what they're interested in making, I suppose, say if it were craft-led. So we get all the materials out, put them mm. on the table, say these are the materials you can play with and you can make something from that. Um, so we give mm. people a choice of what they want to create and people tend to enjoy it as well because most people mm. I've met have come from, uh, let's say, not just South Asian communities, but the communities are being brought up in the had embroidery and textiles background or crafting and lived in um, mm. places where they've grown their own fruit and vegetables you know things like that so that's coming really useful so we've taught mm. so many different things we've even done we've brought mm. people in to teach pickling as well <laughs> we, we've had a really good wow. response to that that was fantastic so we we try everything under the sun to just to make people oh you're interested in that and they went yeah of course so we try it to see if what people feel about it um not all, not everybody wants to just do basic arts and crafts, you know. We've found that making, doing embroidery or knitting has been very popular. Odd, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, um, just a second, Masara. I mean, don't worry, I can edit all this. Um, there, I think I don't know where it is, but it keeps breaking off. Um, is it? Have you got data on your phone? Or I have. I've connected to Wi-Fi. Connected to Wi-Fi. Um, have you got mobile data on your phone? Because I think that might work better. Okay, hold on. I'll have to switch off yeah. the. Uh... I mean, don't worry. We can ask that question again, and I can always edit it, so we can just carry on whenever you. Right, can you hear me now? Yeah, that's fine. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, we were talking about um, the uh, your workshops and what you deliver in the workshops. Hello? Oh, can you, I can hear you now. Okay, okay. Uh, so, Masara, we were talking about um, your workshops and what a typical workshop is like and, um, yep, how you deliver these. If it was, say, it was Biosan, we advertise them to the groups and we let them know what we're doing. If we're going to be doing workshops that we're mm. going to be sharing, um, mm. 
happy about that. <laughs> I'm trying to basically. So basically, we let people know what we're doing and how we're going to deliver it, and then we get people come and they come and join us for the group we set up, and we'll set the rooms out, and we'll set spaces out, mm. and us bring out all the materials, and we show people. We have a chat with them about how we're going to deliver, or what we're aiming to create. Mm. Um, they all do tend to be um, group workshops. We don't do one-to-ones. We tend to do them in groups. People mm. don't feel left out. And then we just, it depends mm. on, what, on how we, it could be a four-week project. We tend to run it every, we, could, we finished out, normally we run it about three months. Not mm. a project, so we do it once a, once, a, once a week, about a couple of hours. And then we just end mm. up with a finished product as well. Brilliant. So it's about giving opportunities to, um, um, you know, people of ethnic minorities. But you also do um, the local walks as well. well. We do do a lot of residential trips. Where we've done a lot of walks around the Yorkshire Dales. I've spent quite a long time in the Yorkshire Dales, actually. I've spent over with people in the Dales project about 10 years. So we've done, I've done walked quite a lot of places. So this time I decided that I'm going to do it myself. So we went all over the, to quite a few places around the Yorkshire Dales. Um, we went up into Ingleton, mm. Ribblehead. We went around the viaduct. Um, so quite a few places yeah. and people loved it. We didn't go too far off the beaten track because without any maps and stuff, I thought, and because the GPS sometimes mm. goes off in the Yorkshire Dales, I didn't. I thought I'll keep this some of the smaller mm. routes that I'm aware of. So that was really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I loved it. And it was very peaceful as well. Yeah, yeah, which I think reflects in in some of your writing as well. Uh, but it sounds like there's a lot of um, there's a lot that you give out to others. Um, is there somewhat a part of you that maybe you didn't get as a child, or um, you know, um, being South Asian and that's quite a powerful part of how you connect with life that you're then trying to give opportunities to others? Would you say? Uh, I'd say that I didn't grow up in a I grew up in a small small community. Very close knit is the right word for it, but I didn't feel I did gel with them, but I didn't gel with them as well because my family were quite outlandish, so I found it a bit challenging. It, it mm. did challenge me on many levels mm. because we stuck out like soft bums, so <laughs> it's the only word I'm going to say. Yeah. It, it did create a bit of animosity in the community that we were brought up in, and I suppose even now, I suppose, because I don't look typically Asian and people always ask me my identity, and so I, I stopped identifying mm. as South Asian because I didn't like being asked all the time because I thought I'm still human and mm -hmm. the day. It made me feel yeah. different because I just thought I'm still, I'm still a person and the day and I prefer it if you call me by my real name. But they never used to approach me with my first name. Do you school your so-and-so's daughter? Mm. And I said, no, actually, this is my name. I'm a surrogate. I goes, I'm mm. not so-and-so's daughter. Mm. I'm a surrogate. So I got fed up in the end. And when I got to Bradford, I did have a bit of an identity crisis. So I stopped associating with my full name and I went by the name of Mo mm -hmm. and then after that after a while I've readjusted to being comfortable in myself to call my, my by my real name you know so I suppose yeah I did feel like we were margin I don't feel to me we're up with people I don't see the difference in who we are I don't think it defines us by our nationality or, or by our community or by our status I think end of day if you take away the all those things away from people and you move it away, we're still people end it there, regardless of who we are, mm. what level of where we are. And uh, 
you know, social standing. I think for pe- a lot of people, they want monies and cars and million pounds in the bank. Mm. I think we all chase those securities. But for me, I think what I'd really like is to have enough money coming in, but at the same time be able to do and give back for the community as well, because that is yeah. a part of who I am, and I'm never going to change that about myself for nobody. Yeah, absolutely. And it must have been very frustrating for you having these kind of judgments and um, almost making you feel uh, marginalised from your own community, which is clearly a powerful part of you. And you reflect this in your uh, writing, which we're going to come on to later. Um, and but, you know, you've you've gone over this and you've clearly gotten over it and um, expressed it in a good way and felt comfortable now to then reflect that in your writing. What did it take then for you to say, um I'm going to start, you know, saying my real name now. I'm not going to hide hide under the shell. What did it take? Actually, it took uh, a couple of people that I met who made me feel really comfortable, mm. and uh, I could see that they could see me, you know, as a as a person. Mm. Because I, I I suppose I I didn't hide myself, but I was very. I suppose it did put my back up, and so I did find it a little bit challenging when people, you know. We're trying to work out my identity, and they thought that was weird. But I'm not. Of course, I'm not yeah, weird. Of course, no. It, I'm just. Yeah, it's, it's very close-minded yeah. as well. Thinking just because someone looks a little bit, you know, uh, different, that are they actually Kashmiri or are they actually Pakistani? It's just very small-minded to think like that because, you know, um, one race doesn't just look like one type if you know what I mean and yeah I can imagine that must have been very frustrating for you and quite a natural response to then say I'm going to kind of hide under behind this name because I don't feel comfortable but you've you've come out of that yeah it took me a bit of time but you know what because end of the day I thought well if you if you, can't, if you don't like it tough I thought if you've if you got a problem with it well yeah. tough that's not my problem it's your problem yeah and keep the chip on your shoulder to yourself because I can be quite vocal. I'm not going to take an inch of anything mm. from nobody. And I can be quite, you know, and um, people don't know that about yeah. me. I look like quite quiet. I'm not I'm not aggressive neither. But what I'm saying is I don't believe that you've got any right to harass somebody or basically be nasty to them because they look a bit different and be funny towards them or judgy, any of that, because you don't have the right mm. at all, because you don't know a person's circumstances and the things they've, that have made them who they are today. So don't behave that way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And look beyond that, because that's not important. We're all human. And, um, you know, that's a great philosophy that you hold. And then you've clearly acted upon that, but then thought, right, I don't care anymore what people think. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm not afraid of my voice to be heard. No, I'm not, actually. And basically, I do get people who come to me and, and they ask me questions now, because I do believe that through my journey and for working with different communities it's it's allowed me to step in and out of different communities which are quite because that's part of who I am and the way that we all are you know I don't identify typically with one community because I feel as though being around so many different communities once I'm in those communities they become part of me and I become part of them that's just natural a natural way to be I think as well yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. And moving on to poetry. Um, so you describe yourself as a closet poet before, whereas now you've become uh, more comfortable. Um, in fact, um, very comfortable in now sharing your words and your work. And you've demonstrated this by the event you held um, called Serenity, which was a great success at the Bradford Cathedral, which unfortunately I was able to uh, make it to. So tell me more about your writing. Uh, well, I've always... 
I've always wrote for myself because I always thought people were going to think I'm strange because I write about the spirituality and the ether and the cosmos. I've always wrote about uh, the divine. So I thought people are going to think I'm strange. <laughs> so I never shared it. So I find avenues for this sort of. And then, um, and then I got more comfortable sharing some of the things I was writing because I, I, I don't write always about what's happening in the world in the fact that some people can write ad hoc mm. poetry. For me, I don't feel it's who I am and doesn't represent me. So for me, when I held a serenity event, that is how I felt. I thought, well, I knew people through my workings with mm. Bias and, and the community refugee and Southern community, I knew people had experienced a community that changed over religions because I felt uh, demonized by the, uh, the regime in their country so I could understand that fully so we gave them the space to find peace within themselves and if they wanted to change religion that was their issue it, that was their private business do you know what I mean because we had people coming in going oh we want to rescue you I went no please leave them alone they need to find themselves they don't need rescuing and come and they'll find themselves and they'll find a peace in their own life in their own time you know so I, so I knew people yeah, would have yeah. issues due to the things that were coming out about the churches and the mosque and the cathedral was beautiful. And it was because of the Isa Shah Fund, mm-hmm. because one that um, I asked one of the uh, canons and he said, yes, you can have it one off free. And people loved it. It was nice. And it was nice to experience it in the cathedral as well. Yeah, well, you had um, overloaded with performance, weren't you? Truthfully, and people would would like to have done it again, but we knew we would have to pay for it, so it's on the back burner for now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be another thing in the air, um, in addition to the other plans that you've got about um, adding other languages with poetry, uh, mixing music and soul, again, an exploration of different cultures, and I think that's a fantastic theme to have but this step of you know then having your own event at the Bradford Cathedral and being able to share your poems and having the confidence in uh, going from a um, closet poet to a, a, a poet who's actually you know held their own event again um, in between that what else did it take then for you to then come out of your shell if you like I think by attending all the open mic nights around Bradford I thought right I'm going to go try I'm going to go experience it for myself because I've been writing for so long and writing different ways. Mm. I thought I'm going to go look around and see what's available and try different platforms. So I thought I'm going to go explore it. And believe it or not, when I was younger, I used to write a lot mm. of poetry and I used to win competitions for my poetry. And then when I left home, I stopped writing. I that, and yeah. then I came back to it and I felt mm. like I'd done a full circle. So that's what I, I could sense. So, mm. And then I knew that some of the things, the, some of the events weren't really my type, you know, because I just uh, – not in a negative mm-hmm. way I just thought I've got a certain way I want to read and a yeah. certain way I want to be and I started looking around for things I felt more comfortable in and then I just thought right I'm going to mm-hmm. write about this and do this as well and and then I because we did the one event with the Biosan group and I didn't realize a lot of them were poets as well and sang so we tried to we did one event with which was funded by Bradford Literature Festival and we did that at Waterstones which was really good and so I do want to get them up and running in, in the platforms that they that I can do for them as well. Because if I find something interesting, I know my group will find it interesting as well. Mm-hmm. So I try, I take it back to my group. But sometimes due to the circumstances, we lose those groups as well. So it's just mm-hmm. as it goes, I suppose. Can't do nothing about that. 
very true. And I think that you, you're an inspiration to those as well who are part of this group and all the people that you've tried to help and um, inspire. So that's some, that's very good because there's a part of you that wants to give as well. Not just um, It's not just about you, yeah. is it? It's about giving to others. And what's your philosophy on giving then? Um, I think, end of the day, I think you've got to give to receive as well. At the moment, I'm, I am taking a bit of a break because I just feel over overdone and exhausted. So I'm having to just take a bit of time out for myself. But I think it's been long overdue. So I've just been focusing my energy on mm. creating artwork at the moment because I just need that bit of space to balance myself out. And that's what I'm doing. Brilliant. So is that how you've um, been using up your time then um, during, obviously, uh, the strange times that we're all in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or have you also been doing some writing? I've actually <laughs> been concentrating on trying to – I've done some writing, not a lot, and I've done a lot of uh, making, actually. I've been making some really interesting art pieces. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. I'm sure we can – yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's good um and the theme of spirituality it seems like a huge part of your work as well and i've seen uh, some of your poems and congratulations on having your poem published uh, all the way in the uh, united states uh, by so lit um that was also a very very beautiful poem um and also it's like a form of self-expression for you uh, how do you practice spirituality in your personal life then aside from you know being in the public well i have i meditate and then I do, I'm also a gardener and I find my peace by sitting in my garden. Sometimes I, I need to switch off. So I sit just staring into my, absorbing myself into my plants is the right word. And then I try and do mantras yeah. and um, chants. And I also do like prayers and blessings. I find different things to do. And I do invoke the presence of the angels for protection and for help. And then I just mm. give offerings when I think it's right because I don't see any difference to me whether it's a Hindu temple or a Sikh Gurdwara or a mosque. Mm. A, a blessing is a blessing and a, and a place of worship is a place of worship. So as far as I'm concerned, if somebody has the essence and they're looking for the presence of the divine, fair enough, that's fine by me. It doesn't make a difference to me where it is, you know, as long as you respect that um, religion or consciousness, that's fine. To me, God is God and is. To me, religion is is separated, I suppose. Sometimes I find people want to separate themselves into different religions. But end of the day, if you take away religion and you if you're finding if you're looking for the presence of God, then God doesn't see the, the religion, mm. he just sees people. You know, there's just people end of the day all looking for, for one aspect and that's the divine, which encompasses encompasses all religions. So And that's a beautiful um thing to say as well mm. well that's how I feel and also because I used to do a lot of spiritual circles and also meditation groups and also I used to do the spiritual fairs where I used to make um spiritual work and paintings and drawings and things like that to be honest I've done lots of different types of um craft and different places I've been to so I've seen lots of different things so you know that's the way I think yeah, and I think despite um, the negative experiences you've had in between from, um, you know, small-minded people and uh, people who were just judgmental, um, you've still kind of turned it around into a into a positive story rather than letting that get to you because you could have, you know, done the opposite thing and um, continue to hide away or um, even though that was quite a natural reaction, I think I would do the same. But, you know, you've not let it get to you. You've still, 
you still you've still you still hold this philosophy of unity and everyone's equal and um you know there's one god god for us all um yeah so that's great isn't it <laughs> well that's the way we should be really shouldn't we that's the way it should always it was it was a bit yeah. like that i think before um i i know this is a bit um when I've heard stories about before the split between Kashmir, you know, India and Pakistan, they used to talk about how, how all communities were united. Mm. And I don't know why. I've always mm. had to have that belief, you know. Um, sometimes I think the communities are banded together and they do work, but there's still a lot of work to do, you know, before we yeah, yeah. totally come together as a, a community, I think, sometimes. You know, there's still a little bit of work to be done. I'm not knocking none of the communities for what they're doing. I just think still people like to still have that little mm. separation, which is understandable. Um, yeah. But we're all equal in the eyes of God or, you know, spirit, end of day. Yeah, very true. Um, and in the midst of all the work that you do, because obviously you do a lot in the community, um, and now in um, you know on the spoken word scene in poetry, how do you manage your time then effectively? Because obviously you've you know got a family as well. How do you mingle well, this? Well, I've got. Um, I tend to work a lot, I suppose, and I have another like uh, I've started doing. I do have a, another part-time job which I try and keep myself going with that. But I also. I used to gym a lot <laughs> and I've just, what I've done now is I've focused, I, I'm not married and I've got no kids, but I have got um, family members who've got children. So mm. they do visit me a lot and want to draw and play, you know, so all my friends have got mm. children and I'm so, I'm, be, I'm used to being around kids a lot. I suppose it is different when you're, yeah, well, yeah family's, family's family. family. You know, family's yeah. family. Yeah. And I'm, heard you in the room before as well so it's clearly you're busy <laughs> they've been around at mine playing and drawing and they know there's going to be lots of goodies like art materials that i've stashed somewhere so they're going to go poke around and find it <laughs> you know what i mean and send yeah. themselves yeah <laughs> so I, that's what i do when i also I, I suppose i do feel like uh, it is different when you're on your own you know because you do become used to being on your own and in the quiet mm. if you're with a family you're used to the noise and stuff um, sometimes I just like to, I shut off a lot. Yeah. It's not because I'm strange. It's just I'm used to being quiet and I like it. It's, I can go out and do all the work I need to do. But when I come home, I need to sit and just be mm. quiet for a little while just to bring my senses back down. Absolutely. I mean, it's very important to have time on um, on your own um, every now and then or every day even because it helps you uh, review things. And like you said, you're a spiritual person. So I think that fits in well as well. True. Yeah. Um, and also you were, uh, um, forgive me because I was supposed to ask you this before actually and, I'm, and, and um, I don't mind saying this. I can't even pronounce, pronounce the word. Reiki. Reiki, yeah, Reiki. Yeah, I'm Reiki trained, but I've also I've done so many different yeah. courses since then that I've done loads of different types of he spiritual mm. healing and practices. So I've done a lot of friends. I've been to a lot of my friends who teach down south. Uh, one of my friends, Edwin Courtney, and I've basically another friend of mine, Kieran Morgan, they do loads of different types of healings and teachings and lots of my other friends as well so I normally used to go down every three months to pick up the latest courses that they were offering just to keep my, myself going as well yeah definitely because it helps yeah. you in your own journey as well when you're uh, giving to others as well so that's um, fantastic stuff well um, I'm 
I'm really excited to ask you this question because I know that you've got some plans with your poetry and um, hopefully you'll continue with Serenity or perhaps another location if it needs to come to that. Um, what is the first thing that you're going to do when this is all over and done with and we're all back um, to normal? I'm going to actually go for what a coffee you? or a tea in a tea bar or something like that because <laughs> I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to knock myself out. I'm actually going to go and just sit down in, in a tea place with having a drink because and smelling the fresh mm. air you know and watch the world go by because it's like dead you know there's no people around there's no so just just something simple to be honest or meet up with friends for lunch absolutely um sounds like me i can't wait to get to costa and be around people again and be back to normal but um i'm sure as poets and performers we will be able to see each other again at one of these events and yours as well. Uh, Masera, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and I've learned so much about you because I've only seen you once at um, Kiran's event, um, Dark Days and Bright Minds, and I saw you read your poem. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we uh, get an introduction to the poem? That uh, no, no, that's, everything's okay to said, I think, to be honest. <laughs> Brilliant. So, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to the poem that yeah, we're going to close beautiful. with? Um, it's basically just about when you meet someone and uh, and you fail this connection term, but it's not sexual. It's about um, just mm. feeling them, feeling that energy about a person and as a as a, a whole person, not just as a not objectifying object as a sexual person. Mm. Okay. okay, so this is called Beautiful. You to me are beautiful. Just one look in your eyes and I am lost. Cast adrift in a sea of emotions, moving softly within me. I can see the rise and fall of the horizons in the depth of your eyes. Eyes that sparkle in a warmth that comforts me, that beckons me when I look at you. I see all I need to see, the powerful presence of love, of romance, of longing, that whispers softly in my ear, reminding me about you, a gentleness that succumbs me to silence when I'm in your presence. I do look for you, and I'll never stop, for wherever I look, I see the echo of you, bringing me remembrance, which smells like the scent of a rose. Thank you so much, Ms. Sarah. Even when I was reading this, um, I just knew that this was about having a spiritual connection. And I love it when you said, you know, the whole whole connection, not just one aspect of a relationship. Very, very beautiful and powerful piece. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of your work in the community. Um, and please carry on because you're doing a great job. Um, and uh, enough meditation, I guess, during this period before we get back to normal. Um, which inspires me because I need to start <laughs> doing something like that. Uh, thank you so much for your no time problem. today. No problem, thank you, appreciate it. Well, how inspiring was that? Such a great story. And Musara has only come out stronger and she has some great plans for the future. If you'd like to find out more about Musarat's work, simply log on to facebook.com forward slash Artist. That's facebook.com forward slash M-U-S-S-A-R-A-T-A-R-T-I-S-T. 
Also, you can log on to facebook.com Baisan Yorkshire. That's facebook.com forward slash B-I-A-S-A-N Yorkshire. You can also click on the links that are provided in the episode description where you can find out more about her recent work at the Bradford Cathedral and also for the Freedom for Kashmir. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you have something to say or want to ask a question, then send me a voice message. And if you felt inspired, then why not share this episode with someone who will benefit? Don't forget to subscribe so that you can be notified of future episodes and take a look at my book, Mirages to Reality, which is available on Amazon. It contains a gift from me, a poem, written on any subject that you like. And finally, if you have an event, spoken word night or a festival, then why not book me in to perform one of my poetry sets? You can find out more on www.tyraraymond.com. Take care. Thank you.